Moody, host of the Set Apart podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, we're continuing our Biblical Mindset series, and we're going to look at a biblical perspective on decision-making. This is something I've struggled with many times over the years. How do I truly bring a truth-filled perspective into my decisions? And so we're going to get into the practical and biblical side of that. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that there's still time to register for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. We're almost full for the in-person event. There might be a few spaces left you can squeeze into if you'd like to join us in Colorado. June 16th through 18th, or anywhere you are via simulcast, this is an amazing way to share truth with women in your life. So often we have a burden for our friends, our sisters, our daughters, and yet we don't always know how to articulate truth to them in a clear way. And setting aside a weekend or a few days to go through the simulcast sessions together is just a great way to minister truth to them and set the stage for really powerful, deeper conversation. So when you register for a simulcast, you will have access to the conference sessions for the rest of this year. So you can really just choose a time that is going to work best for you and what vision God has given you for sharing this message with others. You can also just simply enjoy the simulcast sessions on your own. So go to setapart.org if you'd like to learn more about the 2023 conference, or just click the link in this podcast description. Our theme for this year is Valiant, Becoming a Woman of Heavenly Strength, and I'm really excited to see what God has in store for this powerful weekend. So let's dive into biblical decision-making. In modern Christianity, I have found a lot of Christians believe that the best approach to decision-making and navigating life direction is to just use our common sense and follow our heart and make our own decision and then ask God to bless that decision. The idea of waiting for God's leading and letting God lead and guide and direct us before we move forward with the decision is becoming less of a mainstream concept among modern believers. And I believe that In part, that is due to some philosophies and ideas and books that have entered the Christian world in the past few decades that have promoted the idea that God wants to train us for independence rather than coming to him for answers on every decision we need to make in life. And this really comes from a mindset of self-glorification. We have been given all this wisdom and all these desires and all these passions, and we just need to follow those things, and God will sort of oversee and bless those things. There are other books that have said we only need to look to our own personal desires, and that's how we know God's will for our lives. So it's sort of elevating our own passions, desires, and emotions. And because of those messages that have entered the church and sort of shaped the thinking of Christian culture, it can be very easy to be confused about what role God really wants to play in our decisions and how to really determine his specific will for our lives. Today, I'd like to take a look at some of the biblical truths that God has led me through personally about hearing God's voice and being directed by him. I learned very early in my Christian walk that if I was left to my own wisdom and my own devices in decision-making, I usually made very poor decisions that I regretted later. And I began to ask the question, can I really know God's voice? I remember watching the movie, The Hiding Place, that goes through the story of Corey and Betsy Ten Boom when they were suffering in the Second World War during the Holocaust, and they were in a concentration camp. And I remember this scene where Corey's sister, Betsy, prays a desperate prayer in the concentration camp, Lord, don't let me hear my own voice. And think that it's yours. 
I can really relate to those words. I feel like it's very easy to listen to the voice of my own desires and my own emotions and just assume that it's coming from God because I desire it or I have an emotion towards it. It must be God. But God reminds us in Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God's perspective, his outlook, his thoughts are so far beyond are limited human thoughts, and we can't just blend the two together. So how can we distinguish God's voice from our own thoughts? Amid the clamorous, noisy voices of the culture, other people, and our own emotions and ideas, it's really easy to adopt the mindset that God's voice is difficult to hear and recognize, or that he doesn't really speak to us other than generally through his word with concepts and principles. But Jesus said in John, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And in James, we're told to ask God when we need specific wisdom for our daily lives and our decisions. The Phillips translation says this, if any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty. And he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him. I loved that translation of that verse. I heard it from a message that Corey Ten Boom gave, and it just made it so clear. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and God will generously give the wisdom that is being sought if you ask in faith. So I love that promise. That's an amazing promise for daily decisions and life decisions. In Proverbs, we are told not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all our ways and to expect him to direct our paths. That's in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's not just a nice idea. It's a promise. He will direct our paths when we do not lean on our own understanding, but we acknowledge him in all of our ways. And in Psalm 32, 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. All throughout scripture, it is so clear that God desires to guide us, to direct our paths, to give us wisdom, and show us the way we should go. This is an incredible privilege. He doesn't leave us to figure things out for ourselves. He desires to be intimately involved in the details of our daily lives. But the question is, are we allowing him to? Are we inviting God to be the ruler of our daily lives and decisions or trying to keep him in the position of the backseat driver, only asking for his opinion when it's convenient and comfortable to do so? To help answer that question, I want to look at a biblical approach for decision-making and life direction. In Corey Ten Boom's book, Tramp for the Lord, she describes the way that she made decisions about where to go to travel and share the gospel. And it was a little bit unorthodox. She would place her Bible and her map on the bed and prayerfully ask God to direct her to the part of the world that she was supposed to go next. Sometimes she would feel he was directing her to specific scriptures that made her way clear. Other times she would be burdened for a particular country or a people group. Now, this may seem like an overly simplistic way to hear from God, but the stories of God's leading in her life are truly remarkable. For example, one time she felt that she was supposed to go to South America. She did not have any contacts there. She did not speak the language, but she and her assistant traveled across the world in order to get there. They finally arrived exhausted and hungry and not even sure where to go, and there seemed to be no clear open door for where they could even stay, let alone minister to people or share the gospel. 
But God continued to reassure Corey that she was in the center of his will. And then through a series of supernatural events, she was led to a group of pastors who were meeting in secret because it was a persecuted country. And they were praying at the time for believers from other parts of the world to come and encourage them. Specifically, they prayed that Corey Ten Boom would come in person to encourage them. Now, when I hear a story like that, I find myself wondering, can every Christian learn to hear God's voice that clearly, or is it only for a privileged few that seem to have a better handle on his guidance than the rest of us do? It's easy to look at someone like Corey Ten Boom and say, well, that worked for her. I don't know that that is going to work for me. I believe it is possible for God to personally lead and guide us with as much clarity as he gave to Corey Ten Boom, but also that his clear leading is conditional upon the state of our souls. I believe that Corey heard God's voice not because she was a special Christian, but because she was walking in the biblical pattern for being led and directed by his spirit. So I want to unpack that a little bit for you today. And the first biblical principle that I see when it comes to hearing the voice of God and being led by him is to become dependent. Now, this is the opposite message of a lot of the books that have hit modern Christianity in the past few decades, which promote independence and God just blessing our independence decisions and desires. The biblical pattern is dependency. Jesus says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. We are called to abide in him as a branch clings to the vine in order to live the fruitful lives he has called us to. This principle is the opposite of saying, I'll make my own decisions using my own wisdom, my own common sense, and then just ask God to bless them. We are not to lean on our own wisdom or understanding as we navigate life's decisions. We are to be dependent upon him, always having a listening ear and a heart attitude that says, not my will, but yours be done. Even Christ, when he walked to this earth, did not make his own decisions. He waited for the Father to speak to him, to lead him, and to guide his every step. Though Jesus had every reason to trust his own judgment and his own reasoning, he deliberately chose to be dependent upon the guidance of his Father. He says in John 5, 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If we are charging ahead with our own plans and our own agenda without submitting to God and waiting for his guidance, we can't expect to hear his voice or be led by him. Jesus, because he was perfect wisdom, because he was perfect, he could have made his own decisions, but he set that example of dependency upon the Father as a guide for us to follow in his steps. In the book of James, it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So if you and I truly desire to hear God's voice and be led by him, we need to take some time to let him show us whether we are truly being dependent on him. Are we completely submitted to his will or are we pressing our own agenda? Are we abiding in him daily or are we rushing ahead with our own plans? Does our heart echo the words, not my will, but yours be done? 
If not, I encourage you to take some time to let God deal with your heart. Ask him for the grace to surrender everything to him, to lay down your most precious dreams and desires at his feet. Surrendering to him may seem like a restrictive step, but in reality, it is the only path that leads to true life. When you truly are surrendered to him, you'll begin to hear his voice and sense his leading in your life, maybe like never before. If you want to take this idea of dependence on Christ deeper, there are some great sermons on our website, ellerslie.com, which I'll link in the podcast description. One of them is called The Power to Do It. Another biblical principle for decision-making is to let God shape your desires. There is a flawed but very popular notion among Christians today that we can look to our own personal desires to determine God's will for our lives. I remember talking to a young man, a young Christian man once who declared to Eric and I that because it was his greatest desire to be a film producer, he knew that that was what God wanted him to do. And when we asked if he'd ever submitted that desire to God, he looked at us oddly and said, why would I need to do that? It says in the Bible that God gives us the desires of our hearts, so I already know this desire is from him. One of my favorite verses, as I've said before in other episodes, is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. A lot of people at first glance think that this verse means just a free ticket to do whatever makes you happy or expect that God will give you everything you want. And that's the mentality this young man had. But if you take a deeper look into what this verse is actually saying, it's really interesting because God giving us the desires of our hearts requires delighting in the Lord. And the word delight in this verse is not just kind of a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling toward God. It means to be soft and pliable. In order to truly delight in God and receive the desires of our hearts, we must be soft and pliable to his will and his ways. If we cling tightly to our own desires, we are not truly delighting in him. It says that God will give us the desires of our heart and give in this verse means to deliver or to put. So in other words, as we delight in him, as we remain soft and pliable to his will, he puts his desires within our hearts. He shapes the desires of our heart. And that is truly exciting. He shapes the desires of our heart to match his desires for our lives. It's not about God giving us what we want. It's about the amazing supernatural work of grace that changes our desires desires to be in line with his. One of the ways you can tell that God is shaping the desires of your heart is that you begin to desire things that seem strange to the rest of the world. You begin to desire treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth. I remember very clearly the moment when Eric and I felt a strong desire to adopt an unborn child in need of a family. We already had two young children and a very full ministry, but for some reason, we felt inexplicably drawn toward bringing this child into our home, into our family. We prayed one night and asked God for the privilege of raising that child. And then we sort of stopped and said, why do we both desire something that is only going to make our lives more complicated and challenging? And that's when we realized that God was shaping the desires of our hearts. It wasn't something we would have naturally wanted or asked for, but it was something God had burdened us to pursue. And today that child is our son. Think about the many missionaries throughout history who felt strong desires to go to places in the world where nobody else wanted to set foot. Gladys Aylward going to war-torn China because she couldn't find anyone else who was willing to go there to preach the gospel. Jim Elliott and those other men were like little children on Christmas morning in their excitement to reach the Alka Indians, people that nobody else wanted to go near. 
Jackie Pollinger could not wait to get into the walled city of Hong Kong, which was a filthy, crime-ridden place where even law enforcement were reluctant to go. Why did these men and women desire such strange things? It's because they were soft and pliable towards God's will, and they had allowed him to shape the desires of their hearts. If you have personal dreams and desires, I encourage you to start by laying those things at Jesus' feet and asking him to shape the longings of your heart. Now, we have to really trust that he wants what's best for us. If we don't really know him, the enemy fills our minds with all sorts of wrong ideas about God just wanting to make our lives miserable, but God wants the very best for us. And if you struggle to trust him with your most precious dreams and desires, take some time to really get to know him and understand his love for you. Now, when we lay our desires at Jesus' feet, he may choose to grant certain desires, like the desire to get married, to raise a family, to step into a specific ministry. But it is so critical that those desires are first completely yielded to him. Surrendering your desires to God can be a very scary thing to do, but if you are willing to take that step of obedience, you will experience firsthand that well-known principle that expresses God gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. And our third principle for decision-making, according to the biblical pattern, is to take time to wait on God. I remember back so many years ago when Eric and I first began to sense that God was leading us beyond friendship into a more serious relationship, we made the decision to take a week apart to not see each other or have any contact with each other and simply to pray and wait on God for direction. We didn't want the distraction of being around each other to cloud our ability to hear God's voice. We took the time to fast, to pray, to seek God's direction in his word, and even to gain counsel from trusted godly people in our lives. That week became such a critical part of our love story. Instead of rushing ahead and presuming that we knew what God was up to, we chose to take a step back and wait on him. It was not easy, and yet it led to tremendous clarity on how God was leading us. Waiting for God was not an easy thing to do in that time, and still to this day, waiting for God to direct and lead is not very easy. Back in the day with my relationship with Eric, I was so eager to know what the next steps were and where things were headed in our relationship. And even now, when I'm waiting on God for a decision, I'm usually very impatient to know the answer. But Psalm 27, 14 tells us, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And when we take time to wait on him, then we become clear. Instead of wondering whether our own desires and emotions were leading us, our feet are resting on the solid ground of God's word and his guidance. And we know that the direction we are taking is something he's leading us to do. I wondered before, why is that phrase, be strong and take heart, associated with waiting for the Lord? I believe it's because taking time to wait and let God make your path clear requires strength of soul. It requires faith. It is not easy. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we believe that promise? Are we willing to diligently seek him in order to find the reward that he has for those who wait expectantly on him? One of the reasons I think many of us shy away from waiting on God is because we are afraid that his plans for us will be miserable compared to the plans we have for ourselves, as I mentioned earlier, and it's really easy or tempting to want to skip that step of waiting on him to close our ears to hearing his still small voice and just plow ahead with whatever seems good to us. As I've said before in other episodes, when I was a teenager, I used to imagine that if I waited on God for my future love story to direct me in how to navigate my future, I would just end up sitting in a rocking chair and staring out the window, lonely and sad, 
and just having a 50 pound Bible in my lap for the rest of my life. And that was God's spiritual plan for me. But as I learned to lay my life before him and truly wait on him to guide me and direct my steps, I discovered the opposite was true. He didn't have a depressing, miserable plan for my life. His plans for me were good. He wanted to give me a hope and a future. As Corey Ten Boom so often said, God has plans, not problems for our lives. I would have missed his plans completely if I had not taken the time to wait on him and seek his face before rushing ahead with my own will. If you are facing any kind of decision, small or big, I encourage you to take purposeful time away from outside input and distractions and truly wait upon God. Spend time in his word and ask him to speak to you specifically through scripture and through giving you a clear sense of his direction in your own heart. As it says in Proverbs, those who seek me diligently will find me. Next week, we'll go into part two of a biblical mindset towards decision-making. If you'd like to go deeper into living a set-apart life for Christ, I encourage you to visit our website, setapart.org, and look at the many articles and other resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.